Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Well, Taylor Hall held the the lineup for the Buffalo Sabres. They are in a 2-2 tie with the New Jersey Devils after the first period. Also after one, Rangers up 4-1 on the Penguins. Panarin with his 12th, Zibanejad with his 13th, Ryan Strom with his 12th. Capitals and Islanders scoreless early in the first, uh, early in the second period. Also early in the second period, Bruins up 2-0 in Philadelphia. Panthers leading the Hurricanes 1-0. Blue Jackets with a one nothing edge on the Lightning. And late in the first in Detroit, the Wings and the Predators are scoreless. The Stars and the Blackhawks about to get underway. And the late game tonight doesn't start until 8.30. It is the Ducks and the Sharks. Raptors trailing the Lakers 34-20 with two and a half minutes left in the first quarter. The Oilers in Ottawa tomorrow and Thursday. Remember that Friday game is now on Thursday. The Oilers don't play Friday. And now they're playing the game originally scheduled for May 7th on Saturday in Calgary. And that Oilers game tomorrow, it's that funny time. It is that funny time. Three o'clock for the drop of the puck. So Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 1.30. I'll jump on for the face-off show with Bob at 1.30, getting you ready for that three o'clock game as the Oilers try to go to 8-0 and against the Senators. One of the many brilliant things I said before the season, oh, there ain't going to be no team that sweeps another one. Well, it could happen. It could, could happen. If the Oilers win these two in Ottawa, they would go 9-0. We'll see. They still got to get there. They're going to have to play better than they did last night against the Montreal Canadiens, a team which seems to uh, have the Oilers figured out a little bit, doesn't it? Looking at that top four in the North Division, and I see the Oilers really, they're going to finish second, third, or fourth. I think it's going to be near impossible to catch Toronto for first place at this point. I mean, me, who knows? I think Winnipeg probably has the best chance to actually track down Toronto, but I think it's going to be Toronto first. I think Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal will be in some combination of two through four. And from what I have seen now this season, well, we saw the Oilers only win three games out of nine against the Toronto Maple Leafs. We've seen them win only, what are we at now, one game out of five against the Montreal Canadiens. And also how they've lost those games. They have not generated very many scoring chances against the Canadiens. The games against the Leafs, there were the three lopsided games. The other six were actually pretty close. I mean, three of them went to overtime or were close in the third periods but I still would give Toronto the edge in that matchup. The Oilers have, quite frankly, looked the best against Winnipeg. Now, they still play them three times. I have actually come to the conclusion, and you can always tell me if I'm crazy, on the CertainTeed hotline, 780-496-0063, CertainTeed professional-grade building materials. You don't even have to go on air. You can just call into Kellen, and when he picks up the phone, you can go, he's crazy, and hang up. But I'm at the point where my least preferred playoff matchup for the Oilers, would be the Montreal Canadiens. Because they have a good defense. They have a couple of good goalies. 
I still don't look at them and say that they have a great forward core, but they have a deep and steady group of forwards. Going to be affected by losing Brendan Gallagher here for with the broken thumb, but Eric Stahl's a nice addition for them. I now think that's the worst matchup for the Oilers is, is the Montreal Canadiens. I think the best matchup is the Jets. Now, those teams could maybe alter things at the trade deadline. You, you worry about health. You worry about momentum and peaking when you're going into the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. But from what I've now seen over the – how far into the season are we now? Three months? I actually think the Oilers would have a better chance against the Leafs in a seven-game series than they would against the Canadians. And, and they still wouldn't be favored in my mind because the, the Leafs are a, a darn good team. And Jack Campbell, the guy never loses. I mean, it looks like he's, he's going to be their goalie. But just from what I've seen with the matchups. So anyway, something to keep in mind here as we move along. But it is the Oilers and the Senators tomorrow. Okay, Ken Holland, the GM of the team. Uh, an extensive interview with Bob Stoffer today, earlier today uh, on Oilers Now. We're going to get to some of the highlights and, and look a little deeper into some of the things Holland said because he did make, in my mind, several significant comments about the future of the team in the short term, mostly because the trade deadline is Monday at 1 o'clock Mountain Time. We'll have special coverage here on 630 Chet, starting with Bob on at 11 in the morning on Monday, going through his Oilers Now show. And he, Holland also made some comments about the longer-term future of the team, specifically about some prospect players, and we'll get to that as well. But look, we all know it. The Oilers are up against the cap. They're, they, I mean, they're technically over the cap, but they have guys on long-term injured reserve in Clefbaum and Cuckoo. So Holland emphasized it again today with Bob. Any trade would have to be money in matched by the money going out. Anytime you're an LTI, that's exactly where you're at. And obviously, what we did before the season started, I think on December 22nd, we signed Slater Kukuk. And then in December, we also signed um, Dominic Cahoon. You know, so we, you know, we had a, we, we've carried a 20, in effect, we're carrying a 29 man roster, not a 23 man roster. So people stay off the cap and then we shuffle them back and forward. And then on, uh, on, on, on April 12th, Monday, there's no, no longer a 23 man roster that you have to run your team within the, within the cap. So obviously we, we've got to position ourselves so that we can get at our taxi squad players so we'll try to, you know, put a list of players together. Basically, our, the roster that we have set on 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 that afternoon or the next day is really our roster. And then and then from then on, we're we're allowed four regular recalls. But we've got to kind of there's there's no roster limit in terms of but but you have to be cap compliant. And we think we can probably have. You know, 23, 24 players on the on the roster, and with enough money set aside to get at one at a player at a time in the um, on the taxi squad. So we're tight. Yeah, they're they're very tight, and that's I, I feel bad sometimes because I feel like I shoot down most trade proposals. Well, actually, I don't feel like that. I do do that, so I guess that's why I feel like that. And I feel a little bad sometimes because, you know, I don't want to let you down. You know, I love each and every one of you. You know, if I could do the show from your front yard and you could bring me lemonade, you know, I would do that. But it's just, 
I mean, if the Oilers are going to bring in a player, especially a marquee player, they got to send money out. And I, I, I get asked about Taylor Hall more often than I ever thought I would be asked about Taylor Hall, about anything. So he makes his salary cap hit is $8 million. Now, maybe the Oilers are sniffing around. I mean, I'm sure at some point you ask just to see. But most of these players who are really appealing, we we, we have a listener and he called in last night. He loves Ricard Raquel from the Ducks. I think he's really good too. The Oilers can't pay these people. So that that is the challenge. If Ken Holland pulls something off, then credit to him, and he's probably then he'll probably have done something really creative in the next five or six days. But just from what he explained, the money in, money out aspect to it doesn't work. Now, we know what the Oilers need, and this sort of ties into what I was talking about, the matchups with the other playoff-bound teams in the North. The Oilers could really use a third-line center, and they could really use a left winger who could play in the top six. And Stoff asked Holland, well, which one would be your preference? Oh, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, Bob, you're talking about an upgrade. And, uh, you know, upgrades are going to, our, our players are probably, they're making, they're making money. I mean, they're, 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 they're make their, their cap number is going to be, it's not going to be 750 or a million dollars. I mean, many right. of these players that we're talking about that you, you, you know, a good portion of our bottom of our roster makes, they make around a million bucks, you know, 750 to a million five thereabouts. So, um, it's going to have to be a real legitimate. Our guys have done a great job. We're, we're 28 and two the last 10 games. If you prorated that over 82 games, must be a 110 point pace um, thereabouts. So we've played at a we've played at a high level, and 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 lots of these players that we're talking about have done a good have done a good job for us. And I think you know, and, and maybe not it's one, but but I think Dave Tippett's done a good job in moving them in and moving them out, and 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 and, and the depth has really allowed us to kind of play perform at that level. So um, to try to upgrade and bring in one player that's going to be better than those players, it's going to be you have to factor in the assets and the cap space. All right. So really, what Ken Holland is saying is that. Why, why make a trade for another fourth line player? That that's really what he's saying. No, I'm not. And again, he 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 very well make a deal. Usually, there's some sort of deal to be made at the trade deadline. And you know, Bob and I were talking last week before one of the games. And if you have to move some money out, is is you know, Joachim Nygaard a player who could go somewhere else, and and then maybe you get a player. But again, you're just getting a player that is sort of what you already have in your bottom six. And, and as Holland said, if if the Oilers are to get a legitimate third-line center or a top six left winger, those are upgrades. And those guys cost money, and the Oilers don't have that. So that that's why he's positioning every that way and, and why a lot of us are talking about it being extremely difficult here for the Oilers to add a, a significant piece. We got Fred on the Certainty Hotline, 780-496-0063. Is this the Fred who has the homemade Stanley Cup? Uh, sure is, Reed. You should know that. <laughs> well, there's sometimes there's another Fred that calls, but you're, you're the most frequent Fred. Frequent Fred. Maybe that'll be your nickname. Frequent Fred flying, whatever you want to call me. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at the cup right now, actually, and it's it's not ready to come out quite yet. Let's put it that way. But uh, there are some glaring needs on this hockey team, as we all know. And this year, you got a really good shot. You win your division. You got to win what? One more round to go to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, still four rounds of playoffs, same as always. Yeah, but uh, does it get any easier than this year? Like, you don't have to face a lot of the other teams, like, say, Colorado or uh, whoever. Well, I guess you would have to. Or how does it work? Okay, you win your division, then what? Yeah, then, the, then the four division winners are ranked one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply through four based on points so there's right. no geographical concerns this year the the best surviving team will play the fourth best surviving team okay uh as far as all and making any trades can be very difficult but uh taylor hall no i don't think it's going to work um well jack eichel wants out of buffalo can you get creative to somehow get jack Dyke? I can't even speak right now. Get well, that, 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 and the, but that's my whole point, Fred. Like you'd have to get really creative. And here's another thing to remember: Buffalo's asking for a first round draft pick for Hall. Yeah, first round draft picks are even more valuable than usual. And here's why: the salary cap is not going to increase next year. The salary cap might not increase for several years, as we know, because of the economic situation, because of the pandemic. So players on an entry-level contract make less than a million dollars per season. Yeah. If you get a first-round player and he's ready to play maybe in the fall of 2022 and you got him on your NHL roster for three years making basically just a little over the league minimum, that's pretty valuable. That is. And you know what? The Oilers don't have a second, third, or fourth. Exactly. Uh, that hurts big time. They're going to have to replenish the stock that way. But here's another point, Reed. The McDavid years are kind of flying by here. Next year, for sure, has to be the year. It has to be. Well, I think they might be in a better position to add at the deadline next year. Fred, thanks for calling, buddy. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. A little more from Ken Holland. We have Doug McLean coming up. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Oilers and Senators tomorrow. It starts at 3 in the afternoon. Gord Wilson from the Senators broadcast booth will join us later on tonight. Our hotline, sponsored by Certain Teed, 780-496-0063. Brian has decided to call in tonight. Hello, Brian. Go ahead. Hello, Brian. Hello there, uh, Reed. Long time no talk. Good to hear from hey, you. Uh, question, uh, question for you, uh, or maybe an observation. Uh, if, yeah. Lately, we've heard some rumblings from, uh, or complaints rather than rumblings, you know, from some of the players in, in, uh, in regards to the officiating and that. Now, last night, perfect example, and they were even say, talking about it on the TV, 
there was uh, when the Oilers uh, had one of their power plays, uh, Connor was tripped up, and there was no call. And they they were even commenting on how Shea Weber, who was guilty of the trip up, he even appeared to be calling for a penalty. You know, well, like, he might have thought he was going to get one. I don't know if he was calling for it. That, that, that was an awful call, Brian. And Rob and I talked about it last night. And look, I, I'm in a position where I don't want to make everything I say about how the Oilers are hard done by by the referees because I don't believe that's the case. And I think the Oilers have benefited from plenty of bad calls this season as well. well and but I'll tell you what I. Don't but I'll tell you about that play. I'm not saying that it's just the Oilers. Right, and that, that's the, the problem I have with that play, is that is an obvious violation of the rules. He swung at the puck and missed and slashed the guy's feet out from under him. And they did not call the penalty because the Oilers already had a power play. i got to tell you what, Brian, I'm, I'm still from the school that if it's, a, if it's a 50-50 call to put a team down two men, I can understand the ref leaving his hand in his pocket as long as he's consistent. But on such an obvious violation of the rules, the referee should not manage the game. They should make the bloody call. No, and, and that, that's exactly the issue. And, and I'm hoping that the general managers during the next meeting are, are going to, you know, maybe start making some, some, some screaming and howling about this. Because, really, I mean, the NHL, and, and you and I have had this discussion in the past about how they, they've, you know, said over and over again, oh, we want to increase scoring, we want to increase scoring. Oh, scoring is down. Oh, how can we increase scoring? Well, then they brought in the second second referee so that they can catch a, uh, um, uh, offenses that are behind the, thir- the, the first referee. Well, obviously, that's not cutting the mustard. And the problem that I'm seeing is that, okay, you want – you want parity in the league and everything. Okay, that's fine. You got 30 this seconds. Is the, this is not the right way to get parity. And the problem that I see is by not calling the pet, if you want to sell the game, if you want to sell the game, you're going to sell the superstars. Every sport knows that. And the bottom line is that if you're not calling the penalties, because let's face it, who's usually on the power play? It's the superstars. Yeah, and you make a good point that, if I mean, here's the thing: a referee can say, "Am I punishing the player who, you know, you know, you say, well, I didn't want to punish the player who committed the foul,' but then you're punishing the star who made the good play by by not making the call." That was- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It was a really bad call last night, for sure. Okay, 780-496-0063. More from Ken Holland, Doug McLean, former GM, coming up inside Sports on Jet. Four minutes left in the second period. New Jersey and Buffalo tied at three. 
about three minutes left in the second period. Capitals and Islanders still looking for the first goal of the game. Mid-second period, 2-2, Bruins and Flyers. Rangers up 4-1 on the Penguins, even though the shots on goal are 28-14 for Pitt. Also in the second, Panthers up 1-0 on the Hurricanes, and the Blue Jackets now ahead 2-0 of the Lightning. Roslovich has a goal in that one. Early second period, Detroit leading Nashville 1-0. No score about 12 minutes in between the Blackhawks and the Stars. Ducks and Sharks will start at 8.30 tonight. The Lakers taking it to the Raptors. It is 66-34 with three minutes left in the second quarter. 26-6, the Lakers outscoring the Raps in the second quarter. Oilers tomorrow against the Ottawa Senators. It is a 1.30 in the afternoon face-off show with a 3 o'clock game start. Get it all here on 6.30 Chet. We just had Brian call in complaining about, uh, well, justified complaints about the Shea Weber play on Connor McDavid and not enough penalty calls being uh, made on violations against Stars. Dave Tippett was asked about that today. It is frustrating to watch, and you know, especially uh, especially McDavid. And it's just there's so many penalties on him that don't get called. But it is what it is. You just have to deal with it and move on. Yeah, I don't know if the. I mean, we haven't really seen that mentality change in the NHL in the uh, 47 years I've been alive. So I don't know if it's going to change overnight i i would i would just like to see obvious penalties called and i don't care if it's committed against an oiler or by an oiler or by booger mcboogerton in the you know white court all-star game if there's an obvious penalty it should be called and it should be called regardless of the time on the clock or the manpower situation and and i get it that i i think referees I mean, we, we say, well, they're managing the game. They're not call, calling the game. I, I think that's a little unfair to just say something that sort of all-encompassing. That's part of referee, being a referee is managing the game and understand what is happening in the game and knowing when you need to step in and knowing when you need to back off. But there are some situations where a trip is a trip. And Connor McDavid was obviously tripped by Shea Weber. And I don't care if it's five on four already, five on three, and you're giving a team another penalty or whatever. That that should have been called. That and that specific play is is to me the problem with the NHL. You know, I I, I understand every game you watch, and Rob Brown says this all the time. There are always 50-50 calls where if you're not invested in the outcome of the game, so if you're not cheering for one of the two teams you'll kind of be, oh, well, it could have been a penalty, but okay, you know, ref probably didn't see it that way. You know, you decided not to disrupt the flow. And, and, I'm, and I'm fine with that. But just, just call the obvious penalties. Anyway, Ken Holland spoke earlier today on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. You can listen to the full interview on our uh, Oilers page on 630Ched.com, by the way, but we're going through some of the highlights here. So the Oilers have a couple of significant players who will be unrestricted free agents in the offseason. So there is the chance that Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Tyson Berry could leave the team through free agency and the Oilers therefore would get nothing for those players. Now we know that there have been talks going on off and on between Nugent Hopkins camp and the Oilers. Tyson Berry doesn't really seem like much is happening there at the moment and, and maybe they won't be able to bring him back. So Stoffer asked Holland, would you 
consider trading one of these impending unrestricted free agents before the deadline so you at least get something for them. Traditionally, teams that are trying to win don't trade regular players off. Like, I guess I would say to you, if we don't trade those players, that might be, that might be, last year I spent assets in order to try to beef up last year's team. Maybe by doing, by not trading those players, you're spending assets to beef up this, this year's team. It, it's, a, it's a totally different way of thinking about it. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yep. Totally. Like, like, I, like, certainly you could put those players, but we're trying to win. Like, we're trying to, you know, we're 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 trying to we're we're trying to make the playoffs, and we're we're trying to uh, we're we're trying to win. We're trying to go on a on 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 a playoff run. So, um, you know, to to trade somebody that's a regular on our team to to go get, you know, a draft pick and a prospect that might impact the team three, four, five years from now. So that you can win five years, we're trying to win now. We're trying to we're trying to win now. So I don't I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. So that's where he got to after all that. So Barry Nugent Hopkins are, are sticking around, which I think we all knew, but we got the clarification from the general manager. Let's just talk about one more player here. His name's Mike Smith. He's thirteen three and two on the season. He has a 919 save percentage, and he has a 2.41 goals against average. All very good, if not downright excellent. Mike Smith turned 39 on March 22nd. His contract expires after this season. Now, if it just if it just wasn't for that age thing, I don't think there would be any doubt that you bring back this goaltender. I don't think there would be any doubt. It's just the three followed by the nine next to the H. But if he keeps playing like this, and and look, I I realize that he took a little bit of criticism for the overtime goal last night, but those really haven't been going in on him this season. Pretty infrequent that he allows a, a goal like that. And if not for Smith, it's probably not in overtime because the Oilers were pretty badly outplayed, especially in the first period. The shots were 15-5. So, Bob asked Holland, would you re-sign a Mike Smith, who's going to be 40 years old by the end of next season? You know, I had Chris Chelios till he was 47 years of age in, in Detroit. I think I had Hashik till he was 43. I had multiple players into their 40s, Igor Larionov, um, Steve Eiserman. I had lots of players up into their high 30s. Chris Osgood at 38, the Drapers to their high 30s. And we did a lot of winning. We did a lot of winning. I'm not scared of age. Uh, I don't look at age. I look at how you play. And, um, you know, to the, he keeps going what he's going. Well, why wouldn't we want to do it again? I mean, he's, he's, he's playing at a high level. Well, I think there's the there's the answer. I think if Mike Smith wants to come back, Ken Holland would be happy to have him back. All right, you can reach out at 780-496-0063. We'll get some tales of the trade deadline from Doug McLean next. All right, pleased to welcome back to the show former NHL head coach and general manager Doug McLean. Doug, good to have you on, man. How are you doing? Well, I'm 
grinding it out here in South Florida. It's not, you know, it's not bad. It's a little cool today. It's in the low 70s. So it's, you know, hopefully it'll warm up as the day goes on. See, I, I still can't convert Fahrenheit to Celsius in my head. I'll take your word for it as someone. I mean, you've lived all over Canada. Okay, it's, yeah, it's 20. Okay, it's 28 then. How's that? Okay, see, yeah. If you, if you, if you think it's warm uh, and you've been through some winters in various parts of the, of the continent, so I'll take your word for it when you say that that's, that's a good temperature. So <laughs> what's, what's the worst maritime, what's the worst PEI winter you ever experienced? Oh my God. There was some, it was, it was always great winters there, you know, because uh, it, it, we used to determine it by how many times the car went off the road going home. I lived about 20 miles out of town when I was teaching school there. And if the car went off the road that, you know, it was a half a dozen times a winter we'd slide off the road or couldn't or go off by how many times we got our lane plowed. So there was some bad winters, but, they were great winners. You never noticed it. When I was a school teacher and they'd cancel school, it was like music to my ears. I didn't have to get up and go, you know? So we had great winners in PEI. You're, you're like some of the kids happy to get a day off school. That's pretty good. Hey, uh, no, no, total. teachers, oh, no, teachers are worse. Teachers are worse than the kids ever dreamt of being. <laughs> That's great. It's good to catch up with you. I, I always enjoy our, our chats. Before we dive into some of the hockey stuff, uh, let let everybody know what you're up to these days because you're still keeping pretty busy. Well, yeah, I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm. We've been in Florida all winter, but I'm doing a, a podcast with Nick Kiprios three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube TV, and we, it's we, actually we've had a ball doing it. So it's kind of fun, and it's. Uh, you know, it's starting to take off. We're getting some really solid numbers and having fun with it. So uh, that's all. And, you know, I'm playing a lot of golf and I've, you know, I've got some real estate stuff going on in PEI that keeps me a little bit busy, but overall uh, I'm kind of enjoying retirement to be quite honest. I seem to be busy, but it's, it's general main. Like I, like I, I, I play golf tomorrow morning at 7.00 AM. I have pickleball at four o'clock. Then I've got to go to dinner with friends. So I got a damn full pack schedule is what I'm saying. You're a multi-sport athlete now. <laughs> uh, I'm a multi-sport person, not an athlete. So that's awesome. So it's good. Right on. Well, good to catch up with you. I always enjoy talking to you um, around this time of year. We usually speak about the the trade deadline, something you went through as a, a general manager. Did you? Did you? Uh, and I mean, I know it would have been stressful and probably busy. Did you enjoy the process? of the trade deadline were you just trying not to drown <laughs> what was it like when you well were you know what it, it, it was different because it, you know i was an expansion gm so it was a little bit different than an established team you know you're the established teams today are are really wired to improve their team and and to get to get better and have a chance to you know extend their their season in the playoffs and whereas an expansion team it's much like the bottom feeders today i mean you're typically a seller trying to to sell guys that were unrestricted free agents or overpriced guys or, you know, try to get assets back and draft picks and younger players. So it was sort of a different thing, but it was really, it was an accelerating time, even though we, we weren't looking to make the big move, like maybe the Oilers or the Leafs or Montreal or, you know, the top teams in the league, but we certainly were trying to improve the team. And it was always a ball, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd spend a, it, it, you know, the week or so before, or actually the months before, you'd have your scouts out on the road really following the free agents and following, 
who could be available. And then you bring your staff together into Columbus for the three or four days. And we'd spend a lot of time together going through our lists and priorities. It was very similar to July 1st, to be quite honest, but it was always intense, especially when you get to 10 to three, I'll never forget 10 to three, 10 to three of the deadline. I've got Jeff Sanderson. He was making really good money. And I thought, geez, we, you know, I'd like to move Jeff. So I did a deal with Berkey to move him to Vancouver for a third round pick. And it saved my owner $800,000. So he was doing hand, you know, he was all like, all always 78 at the time. He wasn't doing handstands, but he was quite excited. So the problem with the deal was, is Berkey said, look, I want Sanderson for the playoffs, but I don't want to be stuck with this $4 million salary next year. So Berkey and I did a deal. Okay, I save eight hundred thousand by moving to you now. That you, you, he plays the playoffs for you, and next September, after training camp, you put him on waivers. If he passes through, I will pick him up the second time you put him on waivers. In other words, you put him on waivers. If I don't, you you keep him, and then the next time you put him on waivers, we try it again, and then I'll pick him up. So I'm telling Sandy that I'm trading him to Vancouver. And I didn't, I couldn't tell him that I was getting them back in all likelihood and sort of saying, you know, you may not want to sell your house. And, you know, oh my God, it was a shit, you know, it was an awful situation. So, you know, so Sandy ends up back with us. And then a couple of weeks later, I actually traded him to Phoenix for uh, Jason Chimera and Kale Holson. I don't know who else, another uh, kid that actually won a cup from uh, Rupp, Mike Rupp. So, you know, it was a good deal. Sandy got to go to Arizona where he finished his career. So it worked out okay. But I didn't feel very good about trading them there, knowing that I was getting them back and couldn't tell them, you know. So we had lots of fun at the trade deadline. So it was good. Yeah, wow. That's uh, that, that's quite a maneuver for sure. So I'm wondering, I mean, deals are probably going to start happening in the next few days. The deadline's on on Monday. When a deal actually finally happens – how long will those two GMs have been talking about that deal? I mean, I assume they don't wake up on Monday, April 12th and be like, well, I'm going to call Jimmy and make him this offer. I mean, how long do these percolate before they finally say, okay, we're both comfortable? You know, probably a couple of weeks uh, before you start to, you, you know, the check around and it would be very preliminary talks. Like, you know, you'd phone a team that has, you know, that are, that are, that you know, are sellers. So, so let's say, you know, David Savard, first of all, you may get Columbus if they're looking to move Savard because, you know, it's been out there for a month or two that they probably aren't going to re-sign Savard because they need the money to go to Walensky and Jones down the road. So, so, and he's not going to re-sign there because he wants to move on. So, you know, that that player is probably in play. So if you're a team that's really in need of a a, you know, a defenseman like a Savard, which would be a Winnipeg, which might be an Edmonton, which would be a Montreal, which would be a Florida. You know, there's a numerous, maybe Toronto, numerous teams looking for a shutdown type defenseman. So you may have started that conversation a month ago, but it really would pick up a week before where you'll circle back and say, OK, what's going on with Savard? You know, are you a seller now for sure? And is he going to be available? So, you know, then it really intensifies the last few days. So I'm thinking right now, you know, it, the, the GMs would be extremely busy working it, you know, because we're in the last week, essentially, before the deadline. So it, it really picks up intensity and really get into more serious conversations. Some deals don't happen until right at the deadline. Um, some deals, 
uh, some, I remember Ray Whitney, uh, you know, I had Ray Whitney's going to be an unrestricted free agent and, and Toronto kept Bill Waters drove me crazy, phoning me, offering me Ponic Karazdi, who at that time was a young guy. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, you think I will keep Ray Whitney and he'll stay with me the rest of the year and he can walk for nothing before I'll trade him to you for Ponikarovsky. So that, that deal didn't happen, you know, and, and then Ray ended up going as a free agent at the end of the year. But, um, you know, it, you, it really intensifies as the days get closer. So, but it's still like, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of stress on the GM, but it is a lot of fun. Doug McLean joining us on Inside Sports, former NHL general manager and head coach as uh, we get ready for the NHL trade deadline on Monday. Yeah, I love those those stories and, and some of the experiences you had for sure. This year is an interesting one because we don't have cross-divisional play, so we kind of got four little leagues going on. We got COVID, we got an international border uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, if, And we have the Oilers sitting here with a couple of outstanding players. I I would say three guys with Nurse, Barry, and Smith who are having excellent seasons, quite uh, quite frankly. And then, you know, they're trying to fill out the roster. Like, if you're you're Ken Holland, are you desperate to do that now? Do you need to wait another year when there's cap space? Because Ken has said it has to be money in, money out if they're making a deal. And to me, that rules out guys making anything over north of two or three million. Yeah, it really is challenging for Ken because he, you know, he's got the Nugent Hopkins situation sitting there, who's an unrestricted free agent, who I've got to believe there's a ton of conversation going on to get him redone so that he doesn't walk out the door for nothing. So if if Ken doesn't move him, which there's not a chance he's going to move him, but this is an unbelievable asset. If he doesn't move Nugent Hopkins, he definitely has to get him on a deal for next year. And the groundwork has got to be laid for that deal. Um, you know, with a Barry, he's an unrestricted free agent. He's going to be looking for a, a substantial raise. He took a haircut to go there last year. So Ken can't move him simply because he needs him. If he's going to, you know, with a, with a playoff run here, the same with Nugent Hopkins. So it's really, you're caught here with two real good unrestricted free agents who you, you could end up losing. We saw it in Columbus when Panarin and Bobrovsky and Duchesne walked out the door at the end of the year and they got nothing for them. This is a situation where both these guys could walk out the door for nothing, but I gotta believe Ken's going to do everything he can to get Barry and and uh, Nugent Hopkins done. I also heard yesterday that they're in on in on uh, you know uh, the guy from Buffalo that everybody wants, Taylor Hall. I mean, I and I'm thinking, I mean, how is that going to work? How can Taylor Hall? go there on a deal and the guys told me that they're looking at a deal that would have them both done for less than 12 million for both of them and you know it would work next year i'm not sure how it worked although taylor's not owed a lot of money right now for the rest of this year so you know that's the complication here of potential of losing guys for nothing you need them for your cup you know for your playoff run and you got to try to make sure you get them back next year if, in fact, you want them. And I've got to believe he wants those two guys in particular back. So, you know, Nurse, he's he's a restricted free agent, right? Nurse yeah. is. Oh, so he's, he's, got, not he's a, got another year. He's still got another year out. Yeah, so he's not a factor. 
doctor, you just got to make sure you've got the space when nurse comes available down the road. And you know, that's going to cost him a lot of money with, with the way he's performed this year. So that's just a long range plan. It's more pressing to deal with the Barry Nugent Hopkins situation right now. And anybody else they want to bring in to try to give them a chance to beat the Leafs or Winnipeg or whoever they're going to play. Okay. So you're hearing that, that the Oilers are, are sniffing around for a way to make a hall trade work. Well, I heard that yesterday, and and it was a reasonable source that said it. And I mean, is that does I I said that doesn't make sense to me, but we know how long they've been talking about the right guy, the the the, the thinness on their wings. Well, Yarvey's helped that this year. Nugent Hopkins moves there; that's helped. But they still could use another top winger, uh, you know, in, in their group. I mean, in, you know, in their top six. So. We'll see if there's anything to it. But as they say in PEI, I'm not telling you it's the truth. I'm just telling you what I heard. Well, we'll keep an eye on that, Doug. I, I always appreciate checking in with you. You have great insight and always a great tale or two from, from your career. Hope the golf course is good to you, buddy. And let's keep in touch. Okay, man. Anytime. And, and sorry, let, pe- let people know where to find that podcast again. The Real Kipper at Noon on YouTube TV or it's on any podcast, Spotify, Apple, that shortly after it's up. But Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 12 to 1. A lot of fun. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.